Yeah, so this, uh, this evening's reading is from Leviticus 26, verses 1 to 13. And if you've got a church Bible, it is on page 130. Do not make idols or set up an image or a sacred stone for yourselves. And do not place a carved stone in your land to bow down before it. I am the Lord your God. Observe my Sabbaths and have reverence my sanctuary. I am the Lord. If you follow my decrees and are careful to obey my commands, I will send you rain in its season, and the ground will yield its crops and the trees their fruit. Your threshing will continue until grape harvest, and the grape harvest will continue until planting. And you will eat all the food you want and live in safety in your land. I will grant peace in the land, and you will lie down, and no one will make you afraid. I will remove wild beasts from the land, and the sword will not pass through your country. You will pursue your enemies, and they will fall by the sword before you. Five of you will chase a hundred, and a hundred of you will chase ten thousand, and your enemies will fall by the sword before you. I will look on you with favour and make you fruitful and increase your numbers, and I will keep my covenant with you. You will still be eating last year's harvest when you will have to move it out to make room for the new. I will put my dwelling place among you. I will not abhor you. I will walk among you and be your God, and you will be my people. I am the Lord your God, who brought you out of Egypt so that you would no longer be slaves to the Egyptians. I broke the bars of your yoke and enabled you to walk with heads held high. This is the word of the Lord. Good evening, everybody. Lovely to be with you as always. And it's great to have the young people with us as well. Um, I've promised Libby that, that I'll be a bit shorter today, so um, why are you laughing? <laughs> Um, yeah, all right, never mind then. <laughs> let's, let's pray, show before we start. Loving God, thank you so much. Um, once more, we thank you the last two weeks um, as we reflected that, that we are your family, gathering um, as your people around your word, united by your love, united by your spirit. And so as you spend um, a few minutes now reflecting on how you speak to us through your word, then we ask, Lord, that we would have the faith to hear you, the eyes to see you, and make us willing, Lord, to be transformed and shaped by you. Help us to leave this place transformed by your grace, Lord God. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. So we're continuing this evening in the Amazed by Jesus um, series. And uh, those of you who have gone through the, um, or are reading through the, the Ponsonby book would have heard this um, br- brilliant illustration um, in the relevant chapter for this week. He, he talks about, um, I just read it, get it right, the order of precedence, right? Es- essentially, um, it's the order that the royal family and some other important people, I think bishops and, and people like that, um, it's the order that they process at formal events. Um, It's kind of a hierarchy. So the queen is at the front because she's the most important. um, And only by some royal invitation um, can anyone walk beside her. Now that's a sermon illustration on a plate, isn't it? 
as we reflect today what it means for Jesus, the King of Kings, to invite us to walk with him. So we've just had that reading from Leviticus. Um, Leviticus, of course, famous for many reasons, one of which being it's the book that defeats those of you doing Bible in a year. I've been there. I completely understand it. So a little side note. Why not read it in little chunks? That's, that's what I've learned you know, as you kind of go on to, to more exciting parts of the Bible. Um, but actually, this is quite a good part of Leviticus um, because it's kind of the core of the law. It's the heart of actually the whole scope of Scripture. It's the why. Why do these details matter to God? All these things that we read and we think, goodness, what is all this about? Why does it matter? Well, it's here in Leviticus 26, verse, verse 11-ish. It says, God says, I will put my dwelling place among you. Your translation might say um, tabernacle. The, the, the tabernacle being the place where God's presence was said to be amongst the Israelites. So God will have his presence among us. And God says, I will walk among you and be your God and you will be my people. The God of the entire universe, the God of time and space, of everything that has been, everything that will be. Right here in Leviticus, he says that I want to walk among you. God wants to be with us. Of course, that's one of the crazy claims of the Christian faith, isn't it? That God doesn't demand that we climb some kind of mountain in order to reach him, whatever that mountain might be, morality or, or, or following some rules, whatever it might be. But that actually it's God's desire that he would walk among us. And so all the challenges that we read in the Old Testament, the laws, the decrees, the instructions for worship... You know, those things, we read them and we think, oh, I thought God's favourite kind of worship was the same as mine. This doesn't seem to add up. But the heart of all of that is because God wants to walk with us. He wants relationship with us. Of course, it's how things were um, at creation, isn't it? In Genesis God walked amongst Adam and Eve. He walked amongst creation. That was his intention. He wants to give us that royal invitation to walk with the most royal of royalty. I will put my dwelling place among you. I will walk among you and be your God. And you will be my people. That's God's heart for humanity. That is what God wants. When um, I was a kid, I had a trial for a football team. They were supposedly the best football team in the, in the, in the area. I was very um, excited to be invited for a trial. I had an absolute shocker. Uh, those of you who have seen me play probably aren't surprised. Um, but I had an awful game. I didn't get in at all. Um, my friend Simon got in. I was devastated. I was gutted. But I remember crying to my mum and dad. I was young enough to cry. It wasn't weird. I was really upset. I said, they don't want me. This is my thing. You know, I love football. I play football all the time. But they don't want me. The one thing I thought was my thing, and they don't want me. Because it hurts when we don't feel wanted, doesn't it? We all want to be wanted. Whether that's in a sports team, or perhaps applying for a job. I once got rejected from Waitrose for a job. I was devastated. I think they thought I was too posh. 
We want to feel wanted, maybe socially. Maybe we want the right friends, we want the right network. We want to be amongst the people with influence, the right crowd. Or we want to feel wanted because of what we have to offer, our gifts, our skills. We want to feel like we're, we're, you know, what we're doing, what we have to offer, is actually making a difference. Or even better, we want to feel like what we have to offer is actually appreciated. Is that fair? Whatever it is, it's human nature to be wanted. And so I suspect sometimes, certainly speaking for myself here, we do things that we think will make us wanted. So maybe in the office or at school or college, whatever it is, maybe we join in with some gossip. Because no one wants us to call it out, do they? People like to hang out with us if we join in with those kinds of conversations. Or we join in with the banter that is a little bit close to the line, but no one wants anyone to join in if they're, if, you know, to be around if they're just going to call you out and be a bit of a bore. We do things or we avoid things that make us think people will want us. Or maybe we just wish we knew what it was that would make us feel wanted. If only I knew, then I would do it. I just want to be wanted. Certainly in my Christian life, there have been times when I've done things that I think God has wanted from me. Things that I've done or said, because surely that would make God want me more. Maybe you can relate to that. Well, um, in the book, Ponsonby tells us that Jesus is God's desire to walk with humanity fleshed out. It's God in the flesh. God literally walking amongst people. And Jesus walked amongst a religious group who were obsessed with wanting or being wanted by God. We know how it goes, don't we? Many of us do. That the religious leaders at the time did all they could in order to ensure that they were doing the right stuff, that they were doing the things that made them wanted. So very strict keeping of the law, rules and regs, right to the letter, kind of AC12 stuff right to the letter of the law, kind of building a huge fence around everything that the law told them to do. You know, this is what God wants me to do, so I'll do it. This is what the law says I should do, so I'll do it. And I'll do nothing outside of this fence that I've built out of fear of not being wanted by God. And I think we do well to remember that, that in a sense, those intentions were, were fair. And actually, nothing in the law is bad in and of itself. Let's remember that the law was from God. But perhaps those of us who can relate to the religious leaders sometimes, and the religious leaders themselves, perhaps they missed the heart of what the law was about. That's right here in Leviticus 26. That God wouldn't demand anything of us in order to be loved and accepted, He wouldn't demand that we change anything about us in order to be loved. No change in behavior, that comes later. But at the heart of the law was that God 
wants us. God wants to be with us. And that's why he revealed himself to his people. That's why he revealed himself to us in Jesus Christ. Because he wants us to know that we are wanted. Well, Jesus, um, God in the flesh, God's desire to be with humanity fleshed out. He was challenged in um, Luke 19 for hanging out with Zacchaeus, the tax collector. The religious leader says, that's not who God wants. He's not doing the stuff. He's not walking the walk. That's not who God wants. But what does Jesus say in, in response? He says, I have come to seek the lost. In other words, Jesus says, I want the ones that the world doesn't. Whoever you are, whoever we are, whatever we bring, God wants us. And so there are a couple of challenges then as we come to land. Firstly, do we share that desire to seek the lost as Jesus did? It's easy to say, yes, we do. Um, but I was challenged by, by this conversation I read in, in, a, in a book. This is a conversation between two pastors. Do you know any drug dealers? No. Would you know anyone addicted to drugs? I don't think so. Do you know any exotic dancers? Of course not. How about any prostitutes? No. Well, neither do I. And I think that's a problem. Because Jesus did. He goes on to say, I was willing to be friendly with sinners, but not to be a friend with them as Jesus was. So in our mission as a church, what do we want? Are we willing to seek and love and accept people just as Jesus did? Do we share his desire and love for the lost, for the world? That's a challenge. But secondly, do you know today that you, as you are, are wanted by God. It's one of the, the challenges in the, in the New Testament, Jesus' teaching, is um, uh, the Sermon on the Mount, where actually, you know, he, he seems to raise the bar when it comes to following the law, doesn't he? He says, you have heard it said, you know, don't murder, but actually don't even get angry at someone. Or don't commit adultery, but actually don't even look at someone lustfully. And it's kind of like Jesus saw this huge uh, fence that the Pharisees built around the law, and he built a tiny little one. But actually, he's digging right down to the heart of what the law is about. That we are wanted by God, as we are, whoever we are. We are wanted by God for relationship with him. Despite all the stuff that we do that, that, that we, or say or, or avoid, all the stuff that, that we think makes us wanted or accepted, Jesus says, I want you. I want your heart. So might we know that God 
wants relationship with us. And might we be a church that demonstrates that? Because in Jesus Christ, God walks with us today by his spirit, closer today by his spirit than he was to those he worked, uh, walked amongst in the first century. And he speaks to us as we read his word, as we pray, as we worship, as we commune together as his people in church. And as we heard last week and, and, and the week before, Jesus is very much in the business of transforming lives. Zacchaeus in, in Luke 19, um, and literally billions ever since. Which means Jesus really is amazing. He really is amazing. And also, he's worth it. He's enough. So whatever it is we bring, whatever it is we have or do or say, whoever we are, my prayer today is that we would be encouraged that God wants us. He wants our heart. He wants us to turn to him, to see life with him, to walk with him, to accept that royal invitation to walk with the King of Kings. So let's pray, shall we? Loving God, we are sorry and we repent for the times that we do things or say things that we think will make you want us more. And we're sorry, Lord, for the times when we seek being wanted by others instead of being satisfied by being wanted by you. So we thank you, Lord, that you want us. You accept us as we are. Help us to turn to you, to walk with you. To throw off everything that hinders. Keeping our eyes fixed on Jesus Christ, the pioneer and author of our faith. The one who transforms lives. And in whose name we pray. Amen.